So we're excited, uh, glad that Bob and Bonnie came, and and we're excited about Bobby coming here. This is his first time here, and hopefully it won't be the last time. But uh, if he'll come back, we'll let him. <laughs> We'd love for you to come back. But he, uh, like a, I wanted to share uh, that I'm not going to tell you the first time I ever met Bobby because he wouldn't want y'all to know what he was doing, that I was doing too, that he got caught doing. I didn't. Okay? But uh, after that, we were hearing about this prophet that was coming, okay? And we were like, wow, this prophet, you know, they kept talking about this guy, Bobby Connors. This was at, down in, uh, in Pineville at Morningstar when they first started in Charlotte back in the early 90s. And we kept hearing about this prophet that's going to be there. And so we come that night to hear this prophet, and it was Bobby. <laughs> we thought, what? <laughs> He's the prophet? We know about him. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we were excited that he's he's here. Um, but he's really has a tremendous prophetic gifting. Uh, like I shared earlier, that he gave me two words back in the early '90s, and, and they were both just came true. And, you know, one of them took about five years, but they they were both really right on. And but he's got just a tremendous ability in the word to communicate the word. And uh, but he's God's has done so much with him. So let's give him a big hand. We'll let him introduce his wife. And, Thank you, Byron. God bless you. Good morning. Thank you for being here. It's a great time to be here in Mooresville. Carolyn, come here a moment. I'll introduce my wife, Carolyn. Oh, come on. She said, oh, don't make me say anything. Give Bob the time. So, so talk to him a little bit. I was just talking with Becky about this beautiful wall mural, and she said that a lady from their church, is she here? That is so awesome. Over over four years, I think, each one of these that she did, that is one of the most beautiful things I've seen. Talk about labors of love and all the peoples of all the worlds right here. That's beautiful. Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who is in heaven. And God has just anointed all of us to do different things. Uh, I cannot draw a straight line, but there's things I can do. But anyway, we just, what a gift that God has bestowed uh, upon all of us. And uh, to use that, we just got to use the gifts that's, that's on our lives. So, But what a blessing to get to pal around with Bob and Bonnie. Just a highlight of our life to get to spend time with them. They're not only our friends, they're our family prayed for us through the years. Uh, May of 94, uh, Bob came to our church in Texas, and our life has not been the same since. And, yeah. and our family, and they prayed for our children and, and grandchildren. Uh, um, Bob's responsible. The Lord used him to, to help uh, one of our daughter-in-laws conceive and and have Brandon Paul Connor. He's 13 now. So they were looking for a name back then, and I said, well, what about Jones Connor? Wouldn't that be classic? Jones Connor. That's a saddle, <laughs> but, isn't it? Oh, I know. But anyway, we love you all and praise God for you. And they've got lots of things to, to say for sure. So anyway, we just bless them. We bless this fellowship. What a wonderful church. And we pulled up and backed in with the books and products and People started coming out, men, women, boys, and girls, and helping. And we have some good friends here. Where are the uh, Woodwards? There they, there they are, right there. So they got here just in time to start That's running the book table. Again. I know. Yeah. So we put our friends to work. That's so right. yeah. Anyway, thank you all for having us. It's good to be here. Good. I want to say something about this mural here just a moment. Caroline, look at, look at, uh, look at this guy right here. You see this guy right here? I've got him on television footage. Absolute truth. We were in Bulgaria, and uh, the walls, the communist walls have just fallen down, and we're over there in Bulgaria preaching, and uh, it's one of the most stunning moments you could imagine, because remember now, they've been bound by communism all these years, they're absolutely uh, fearful of trusting anything or anyone, and I'm there on a platform preaching the gospel, just the simple message of Christ and the cross. And you can hear me preaching, and the camera is panning around and stops right on this man. Stop, I'm telling you, I've got him on footage, this guy right there. And uh, there he is. 
and I'm pleading with them to open their hearts to Christ. And the camera stays on this old, this old man. And it just, it's amazing. You can hear me in the background pleading and you can see the war of the ages going on in his mind. Is this another trick? I can't commit myself to something else. And I'm pleading with him. And I say to them, just give Jesus a chance. If you'll just give him a chance, slip your hand up. And boy, in a moment, you see the roughest old hand come sliding up like this. And then in one moment, his whole face transforms. It's the most. I go back a year later. I go back and find the old man. We're in Travna, Bulgaria. I go back and find the old man who was a blacksmith, been a blacksmith all of his life. And so I interview him this time. Now, I've got him a year prior. I've got him a year later after conversion to Jesus Christ. Totally different man. So I say to him, what happened that night? And he said with a sparkle in his eye and a smile just like that on his face, I begin to live. Isn't that amazing? So uh, I don't know how you c captured that, but I've got that man on TV footage. It's one of the most uh, amazing stories. That's where I walked in air. I walked on air there in Bulgaria. Absolute truth. Uh, what happened, we were out in Travna in a, in, a, in a city, and they built a platform, and God began to heal, and the people went wild. Thousands of people were in the city square, and they went wild. So they started throwing their children on the platform, throwing their children, sick children, throwing them on the platform, and boy, it got chaotic quick. You know what I mean? And so I kept backing up, backing up, and I backed all the way off the platform. I'm standing on absolutely nothing. I'm standing on air. And I looked down, and the faces of, of brown-skinned children were everywhere. And so I jumped back on the platform. I said, oh, God, what was that? He said, that was me keeping you from being really embarrassed. <laughs> I just backed off on air. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. God moved in a mighty, mighty way there in those uh, communist bloc nations back then. Some of them had never heard the name Jesus. We go in these places, 25,000, 30,000 people come that had never heard the name Jesus. Isn't that amazing? See, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all men unto myself. And so uh, we're really excited. Bob, anything you get, Bonnie, anything, y'all jump right in here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the book table. Now, we bring the book table not because we're trying to sell things. We really want to impart to you something that will help you and advance you in the kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that uh, uh, I really think is beneficial is this book here called Dread Champions. And here's what it says, Lion-like warriors, the key to preparing an overcoming generation. I believe you'll either be known as an overcoming generation or a generation that has been overcome. There is no neutrality in this thing. We're either going forward or backward real quick. And so it, I, I really want you to study this book because the Lord told me, he said, study the names of the mighty men that joined themselves around David and you'll find the character and the conduct that I intend for my end time people to possess. And so we studied the Hebrew names of those mighty men. And I'll tell you what, they're worth studying. It says one of them was worth a thousand. One of those men would be worth thousands. Isn't that amazing? And so, uh, uh, Byron, I signed this one for you, and, and there's a little uh, message in there to you. So uh, that I hope that you all will read that. Here's another one. I love this one. I love the cover of this one. Can you see? What do you see when you look at the cover of this one? You see a multi-generation. See, this thing, it's not just about us. It's about those that are coming behind us. The Bible said, I'll pour my spirit upon your, out upon your offspring, and they will spring up. And see, whatever happens to us will affect them. I'm writing a book called Legacy and Lineage Line. See, whatever happens to us will affect our, our, our legacy will absolutely affect our lineage line. Do you believe that? And so this one is called Walking in Victory. Do you believe God called us to be victorious, not victim? See, if you're not careful, you'll get a victim mentality. Well, I could have, I should have, but I can't. No, listen, God wants to release on you that anointing that rested upon uh, Caleb. Remember him? I like Caleb's name. It means salty old dog. That's what it means. 
It actually means tenacious one, the, the one that can catch a camel. That's what it really means. But anyway, uh, I hope that you'll read this, putting your foot down and taking ground for God. And so uh, uh, I think it'll benefit you. And then uh, we've got a few more, and then I'm going to jump into what we've got to talk about. Here's one, times and seasons, revealing God's blueprint for the end times. How many of you know we're not supposed to stumble in the dark but walk in the light? How many of you know the prophets are supposed to have an anointing on them that rested upon the sons of Issachar? It said they had understanding of the times to know what the people of God should be participating in. I'm telling you guys, it's time for the trumpet to make a sure sound so the people of God will know how to rally. I'll tell you what it is. is Ezekiel 37.7. I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there came a shaking. We're going to have to start speaking what God is speaking. So that's what this book is about. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, we need some insight with understanding. Do you believe there's some things that are open to you that prior generations couldn't ascertain? That's what it says. It says, To him that overcomes... I will give to eat of the hidden manna. Say hidden manna. I'll tell you, it's not been hidden from us, but hidden for us. Isn't that good? And I'm telling you, Matthew 13, 16 says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Many wanted to and couldn't, but unto you it's been given. I'll tell you, you've got a chance and a shot at some things no other generation's ever had. Joshua 3, 4 says, Get the people ready. We've never been where we're headed now. Oh, I like that. I like new things, don't you? Well, you know, I don't need change. Well, get out of the church of Jesus because it's changing quick. We're going from what? Glory to what? See, it's a constant change being with Him. He's the changeless one, but He constantly commands us to change. We're changed from glory unto glory. So that'll be good. You can do something with that one. Okay. Here, you know, now somebody asked me the other day, they said, does your, CD, does your DVDs and CDs have music? Well, no. Uh, listen, uh, listen. No, they just have teaching. Uh, now, Bob's may have some music, but uh, <laughs> mine just have teaching. Uh, and uh, I'm, I sure wish that some of them probably did have some music on them. But anyway, uh, this one right here. This one's called Third Day Generation. And I, here's what happened to me. I begin to notice the importance in the Bible of third day. And then here's what I begin to study. Every third day event I could find mentioned in the Bible. And I found this out. Every time God gets ready to catapult His people to a deeper and higher dimension with Him, it's on the third day. So I studied the first third day, Genesis 1, 9-13. The first third day produced two things. It says that the waters receded and what was what was concealed was now revealed and then it says that seed began to multiply after its own kind say this with me revelation and reproduction the church desperately needs both of those so this this uh, teaching is where I went through the whole Bible depicting and finding out the third day it was the third day Esther went in to plead for for the salvation of the Jews third day they crossed the, the Jordan remember that when it overflowed all of its banks what day did Jesus arise third day guys every time we are a third day generation you believe that say yes I do yes I do yes I do I believe that don't you Ah, we better shake ourselves. Esther 4.14 said you're in the kingdom for such a time as this. Joe, I'll give give this one to you, okay? You could put some music behind it. That would be good. How you been? You been okay? He said I'm working on it. Boy, I tell you, aren't you glad? We're never, you know, we're never finished till we're finished. It says I'll be satisfied when I wake in His likeness. That's the only time we can go, whew, finally made it. You know what I mean? That's true. I hope you don't have all of God you intend to get. I'm telling you, listen, do you believe there's more? Yeah, there's more. Well, I'm perfectly satisfied. Well, I'm not. Paul said, I've not caught what I've been captured for. He said, I'm pushing on, pressing on. See, a lot of people think that the ultimate goal of God is to get them from earth to heaven. If that was the ultimate goal of God, the only two ministries we'd need is evangelist and assassin. Somebody gets you converted and somebody shoots you behind the ear. Boom! You're from earth to heaven. God leaves us here for a process and a purpose, doesn't He? To take over the earth. That's true. Say, take over. Oh, that brings us to our next book. 
shepherd's rod. This is the one for 2008. The Lord came to me and said, I'm raising up a kingdom company that's going to rule the visible realm from the invisible realm. And they're going to do it through a dominion demeanor. And they'll do it through a foundation of love. And he said, get the people ready because the next great move of God coming to the body of Christ is a baptism of genuine Christ-centered love. We've been wanting power. And he said, I will not give it to you till I first give you passion. That's what he's going to do. And so that was the one for last year. And it positions us for the one for 2009, uh, which talks about pursuing his presence and there discovering peace. It's Isaiah 26.3. God will do what? Keep us in what? Perfect peace when our mind is stayed upon Him. And so uh, I hope that you'll get these shepherd's rods. Uh, you know that Bob Jones does shepherd's rods. He's done them for decades. And uh, he and Bonnie's doing them now. I'll tell you, that was wonderful. The book cover and everything about the book really, really was uh, good and anointed. Isn't that something? So that's good. So I hope that you all will, uh, get those things. And uh, we'll talk about some stuff later. Carolyn will be out the book table. She'll run you a blue light special, won't you? <laughs> Y'all remember Kmart and all those guys have blue light, blue light specials? Oh, man, now here's what I, here's what I was thinking about. Uh, it's not what I'm going to talk about yet, but uh, May, May 2007, I was over in Singapore. And uh, I was having a very restless night. And the Lord said, get up. I said, I'm already up. He said, get up. So I got up. And he said, take your Bible. This, this is the Bible I had with me then. Uh, and so he said, take your Bible, and I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture and write something beside it. So I turned to the passage of Scripture, and here's what I wrote. The theme for 2009 will be Psalms 27. I'm, I'm absolutely sure God was preparing us for what we're about to face right now. So he, he had me to write in May of 2007 to get up and write in this Bible the theme, the whole emphasis for guidance and understanding in 2009 will be found in Psalms 27. Listen to what it says. And then I wrote this little phrase right by it. Here, here's the first phrase. The Lord is my light. And so here's what I wrote. The Lord is. See, now that's what we need to understand. He is what? A very present help in the time of trouble. He is my light and my salvation. He is my shepherd. See, what you and I, what you and I are going to have to do is focus on Him, not the circumstances around about us. If we begin to focus upon the, the CNN news, NBC news, CBS news, Wall Street news, we'll lose heart. I'm telling you, you're already seeing people kill themselves. It's a tragic thing when a man lost his job, walked into his house, took a revolver, shot his five or six children, shot his wife, and then shot himself. See, somebody didn't tell him, the Lord is. The Lord is. He is a very present help. He is higher than any situation. Lead me to the rock that's what? Higher. And so here we here. I just want to read a couple of uh, phrases out of Psalms 27, okay? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked... Even my enemies and my foes come up to eat up my flesh. They stumble and fail. Though a host, an army, should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, even then in this will I be confident. One thing have I asked for. One thing have I desired. One thing have I really required, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you guys, this thing is going to get really focused. Do you believe that? We're going to have to be focused on Him. It's Psalms 121, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hell, the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from where? The Lord. Is He adequate? Is He available? Somebody quoted the verse earlier. We have open access. Isn't that cool? That's what it says. 
He said we have open access to His throne. That's amazing. See, the devil, remember in the book of Ezekiel, the devil said, I will ascend. And God said, no, you won't. And then the very place Satan wanted to go and got restricted, you and I get invited. Isn't that cool? Don't you know it makes the devil's horn smoke? He wanted to go and couldn't, and then we get constantly and continually invited. We can draw near to Him with hearts. See, say, I'm coming, Lord. Oh, we can get much closer than we are this morning. So I'll just read the last verse in verse 14. Wait and hope and expect the Lord. Wait. Now, Bob, tell them what that wait means. You know, it's not... It's waiting with what? confident expectation. That's exactly right. It's not, well, you know, I ain't got nothing to do. It's, oh God, my, my whole heart is towards you. It's waiting with bated breath and anticipation of Him coming. Do you believe that God is looking for those looking for Him? He'll hide Himself till you get to seeking for Him. You won't find Him. You will not find Him if you're half-hearted. You won't find Him if you're lackadaisical, lazy, and, and not really committed to finding Him. Here's what the Bible said, Jeremiah 29, 12. God said, you'll find me when you search for me and seek for me with what? All your heart. He said, and He would, Jesus would not commit Himself unto them because He knew their heart. I mean, this thing demands an all-out effort, doesn't it? He's worthy of that. Well, anyway, what are we going to talk about today? The Lord, here it is. Let me, let, me finish this, let me finish this verse 14. Wait and hope and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage. And let your hearts be stout, enduring. Yes, wait and hope for the Lord and expect Him. See, God wants to do something for us. Here's, here's something, and I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in the Bible. We don't have much because we don't expect much. Jesus Christ came to me. Now, listen. Jesus Christ came to me. He walked up to me just like I'm walking to this man. And here's what He said to me. I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. And I said to Him, I'm going to need a verse for that. And he said to me, no problem, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. That verse says, now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. We need to start expecting more. Expecting more from God. I've had people go, well, I didn't think anything would happen. You've got to have faith. Without faith, it's what? Oh, it's impossible to please Him. The book of Hebrews says, He that comes to God must first believe that He is. I mean, if you're talking to somebody you can't see, they lock people up for that. You've got to believe He is. And He's a rewarder of those that diligently and wholeheartedly seek Him. But here, here's, here's where I'm headed right now. We've got to get to such a place and in such a place that we believe we're going to get what we're asking God. Now, here, here's the verse I want to... I want, to read to you today. Now, I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in this book. Let me find it. I had it here and it closed on me. I'm going, I'll find it again. It's in here. There's Isaiah. There's Psalms turning left. Here we go. I've got it. It's Job 22, 28. I wouldn't believe this if it wasn't in the Bible. Here's what it says. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it, what you have decided and decreed, shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. That, that is an amazing verse. That verse says, if I'll make up my mind what I want God to do for me, and I'll voice it before heaven, heaven will be engaged and begin to perform what I've asked Him to do. You go, all. Oh. And a woman challenged me once. She said, you know, preacher, that's a very obscure passage. I said, you're right. I like to find obscure passages. The Bible said it's the glory of God to conceal a matter in the honor of kings to search it out. See, if every pebble out there in the parking lot was a diamond, diamonds be worthless. Real treasure is hidden. I like to find verses nobody ever preaches out of and preach out of. Here's one. 
You poured me out like milk and you've curdled me like cheese. Now, you won't run out there and find a whole series on that. I don't care who the author is. What in the world does it mean? You poured me out like milk, but you've curdled me like cheese. It means you went from a splatter to a matter. From a liquid to a solid for a reason. The next verse says, and you clothed me with skin. He put you in this earth for a reason. That's what it's all about. But Job twenty-two twenty-eight. So the lady said, that's an obscure passage. I said, yes, it is. But I found the same thing in principle written in the red part of the Bible. Mark eleven twenty-four. In the red part, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and they're yours. That's what it says. Now, if we're going to get what we're asking, if we're going to decree a thing, decide a thing, decree a thing, and see it established, it would behoove us. I like the word behoove. <laughs> it, would, it would really, really, really be important for us to, number one, find out what God wants us to do so that when we ask, we're in harmony with what He wants. That's what Jesus did. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear Him say. Say synchronization. We need a swift synchronization between His will and our walk. And that, this is how it happens. 1 John 5, 14. Say this with me. 1 John 5, verse 14. Here's what that verse says. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask Him anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. If we know that He hears us, we know. We're absolutely confident we're getting what we're asking Him. What I suspect you and I need to do is start packing our heart full of what God said so that when a desire comes up, we'll know whether it's legal for us to have it. This is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask Him anything... See, a lot of people go like this. Well, you know, God, whatever. You won't get nothing. Remember Blind Bartimaeus in the Bible? Remember him? I mean, anybody in the house could have seen the dude was blind. And then Jesus had him standing right in front of him and said, what is it you want me to do for you? What was he trying to get Bartimaeus to do? Declare. Decree. Say it. And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus go, ding, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he followed. Isn't that something? He said it and he got it just like that. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. What good does it do to bring a prophet to church? What, what, well, let me tell you. If you're going to track with God, you better become friends with the prophets. The Bible says, say the Bible says. It says, absolutely, surely, God will not do a single thing without first revealing what He's about to do to His servants, the prophets. Is that true? It means absolutely, surely, God will not do a single thing without first revealing what He's going to do to His servants, the prophets. But here's another thing. You ought to bring prophets to your house. 2 Kings 4, the Shunammite woman perceived this was a mighty man of God that constantly and continually passed by our house. And she said to her husband, aren't you glad somebody has some perception, though? The husband was dull as a dog, man. I never have liked that dude in the Bible. He, listen, he could, he could uh, I'd like to slap him silly, man. Have you read about him, the Shunammite woman's husband? The boy died. He said, carry him back to his mama. The mama said, oh, saddle me a donkey, saddle me a horse. And he wouldn't even do that. She had to saddle her own to go get the prophet. Isn't that something? And then he's still saying, don't get him involved again. That's basically what he said. Well, there's guys just like that around today. Yeah, they don't want to get involved in anything prophetically. But anyway, here's where I want to, here's where I want to go. You, in 2 Kings 4, the Shunammite woman perceives that there's a mighty man of God continually walking by our house. I don't know how long he's been coming by there. doesn't say, but apparently for some times, ding, a light goes on in her, and she goes, wow, we should make room for the prophetic. And he, she said to her husband, let's build a little chamber for him so that when he walks by, he can turn in and rest and refresh. And he said, on the housetop, they built a little apartment. And they put a bed, a stool, a chair, a lamp. 
And so it says as often as the prophet would come by, he would turn in and eat and refresh himself. And so he's there one day, and he's got a servant named Gehazi. And so he says to Gehazi, what does the girl, what does the lady want? It says she was very rich and influential. That's what it says. What does this rich and influential woman really want? And so he calls her to the door. This is very important now. Gehazi was told by the prophet, call her to the door. And the first time you have dialogue between that, that's recorded between the woman and the prophet, he says to her, do I need to speak to the king for you? The prophet asked her, do I need to speak prophetically to the king for you? Or do I need to speak prophetically to a military officer for you? And she said to both requests, nope, I don't need that. I dwell among my own people. Everything's okay. Now, say this with me. If not now, somewhere down the road. I thought it was so strange that he would ask her those two things. Do I need to speak to the king or a military officer for you? Nope. What she didn't realize, somewhere down the road, that was exactly, precisely who she was going to need to be spoken to for. Do you believe it? Yeah, if you read the rest of the story. Remember Paul Harvey? He goes, and the rest of the story. If you read the rest of the story, the prophet says, what in the world does she need? And uh, Gehazi said, well, she wants a son, but her husband's old. And so he said, well, have her stand at the door. And he prophesied to her. He said, about this time of uh, next year, you'll be rocking your promise. And I like what she said, and I'll paraphrase it. She said, don't jack me around. That's basically what she said. <laughs> don't tell me what you think I want to hear. King James says, oh, nay, my Lord, don't lie until your handmaiden, something like that. But anyway, he was telling her the truth because she had her boy. Remember that? And then the Bible goes on and says, when he's, I don't know how old he is, probably just a, uh, I don't know, seven, eight. He's out in the field at harvest time with his father, uh, apparently gleaning the harvest. How many of you know the devil turns up the burner at harvest time? And so the little boy apparently has a heat stroke, dies, goes unconscious. The father says, carry him to his mother. All this is Second Kings 4. She rocks him on her knee, praying, interceding, seeking help, and he dies. Oh, man, she could have, go, she could have blew her top and goes, Yep! Gave it all for the prophet. Gave it all. But she didn't. Guess what she does? She takes a little dead boy up the stairs they built to the prophet's chamber, lays him on the prophet's bed, and then says to her husband, Get me a servant to help me saddle the donkeys. And the husband says, Oh, don't get him involved again. That's basically it. Here's what he said. It's not a Sabbath or, or a new moon. It's not time to get religious on this thing. Leave him out of it. But she saddled her own donkey, apparently, and choo, off to Mount Carmel she goes. And here's what it says. The prophet saw the dust coming, and he said to Gehazi, Look, run, run yonder. There comes the Shunammite woman. And boy, uh, this is, there's some real help here. It says this, that uh, when she got to where the prophet was, she grabbed him by the feet... And Gehazi was going to shoo her away because he didn't want any kind of inappropriate touching. And he was going to push her away. And the prophet, the most anointed prophet of his day, said, oh, leave her alone. Her soul is vexed, her heart is broken, and the Lord has hidden it from me. Don't you ever let anybody press by you and go, well, I know everything. The Bible said we prophesy in part because we understand and receive in part. We need assembling of the parts to get the whole. You believe that? Don't you ever let somebody tell you, well, I have to hear God for you. John 10, 3 blows that out of the water. My sheep, that's you, hear my voice, that's him, and they follow him. But prophets are very beneficial to tell you some of the secrets and the insights to the heart of God. But anyway, the Lord's done something and hidden it from me. Then so she's... I like what he said. He said, he asked her, he said, is it well with your husband, well with your child, well with you? And she goes, what? It's well. Wow, was she deceived? Or, I don't think so at all. I believe she's probably the most faith-packed woman we've seen in a little... It's well. I mean, listen, she could have written a whole thing on why it ain't working. But she said, it's well. And it was, wasn't it? She was seeing past what she saw, a blue dead boy laying in the bed. 
She was hanging on to the promises that God had given her. But anyway, the prophet says to Gehazi, take my staff, run, put it on the dead boy. And nothing happened. Wow. And then it says this in the Bible, that the prophet goes to his chamber, there's the dead boy, and it says he stretches himself upon him. It says he puts his eyes over the dead boy's eyes, his mouth over the dead boy's mouth, his hands over the dead boy's hands, and he's laying on him. And it says this, the flesh of the boy waxed warm. See, that's where we'd stop. We'd jump up and holler, call charisma, get TBN in. We've got a miracle. See, the, prophet, the prophets are not to stimulate the flesh. Just warming the flesh won't get it done. So he gets up. There's no breath in the kid. Flesh is warm, but no breath. And the prophet gets up and he walks back and forth. I wonder what he's doing. He's, he's getting a word from heaven. He's getting God's presence upon him. He's, and then he stretches himself upon the boy again. Remember that? Oh, and then what does the boy do? Sneezes seven times and he's, boom, he's totally alive. Gives him to us. Ah, oh, everything's fine now. And then you had to fast forward the tape probably eight years forward to Second Kings chapter 8. The prophet has said to the woman now, you better leave town because there's going to be a big bad famine coming and you better go so sojourn somewhere. And so she had been gone seven years. Say, timing is everything. This is 2 Kings 8 now. What I've been quoting to you is 2 Kings 4. We're at least seven or eight years down the road. Now remember the first questions I said, hang on to them, do I need to speak to who? King or military officer? Now, I, I wouldn't believe this story if it wasn't in the Bible. Here it is. She had been warned by the prophet, leave town. She's been gone for seven years. Now, you just kind of turn the page, and here's what happens. We're inside the king's chambers, inside his room, and Gehazi, the servant to the prophet, is there. And the king is saying to Gehazi. Tell me some of those Bob Jones stories. That's basically what he was saying. He was saying, tell me some of those stories about Elisha. Tell me some of those stories about the man of God. Did it really happen? And it says in the Bible, 2 Kings 8, the moment, say the moment, the moment Gehazi opens his mouth to tell him about the resurrection from the dead of the little boy Guess who walks in? As he's telling the story, through the doors walks in the woman and the boy. Gehazi goes, and the king says, are you her? She says, yes, sir. Is that the boy? Yes, sir. And then, why was she there? Oh, she was there. Because when she took the seven-year trip, dodging the famine, robbers, raiders, squatters, apparently took over her farm. And we already learned from chapter 4, she's rich and influential, so they stole everything she had. So she's there. They won't let her back on her land, won't let her back in her house, won't let her back in her vineyards. So she's there, she's there pleading to the who? King! And guess what happens? The king says, get me a military officer and you send him out there and you get every one of those thugs off of her land and you give her back everything that, that's hers and everything her farm has made from the time she left till now. Say recovery. See, you never know when a prophet comes rolling in. He might ask you some questions. You go, that don't make a bit of sense to me. See, if not now somewhere down the road. Yep. I got a little verse for you and then I'm going to pray with you. 2 Chronicles 2020. 2 Chronicles 2020, it says, Trust the Lord. You'll be established. Believe His prophets and you will prosper. So I looked up the Hebrew word prosper there and it means live at God's highest level for your life. Don't you believe God has a high level for you? It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I quoted Jeremiah 29, 12 a while ago. But Jeremiah 29, 11, God's speaking. He said, I know my thoughts, my plans, my purposes I have towards you, declares the Lord God. 
I read that verse once, and see, I believe the Bible's absolutely literal. So I stop right there, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know my thoughts, I think toward you. So I said, okay, God, you said you thought about me. What do you think about me? And he told me. He told me. I asked him, what do you think about me? You said you think about me. What do you think about me? And he answered me. See, whatever he thinks about Bobby Connor is exactly what he thinks about you. You know why? He's no respecter of persons. So he, asked, he answered me. What do you think about me? Here's what he said. You want to know? Here's what he said. I think you are more beautiful than flowers. Remember what Jesus said? Consider Solomon in all of his splendor was not arrayed as one of these. I mean, listen, you can't comprehend what Solomon must have looked like. Queen of Sheba said, I've never seen anything like it. It far exceeds anything I could imagine. But Jesus said, consider the lilies. Solomon in all of his regalia was done. So I like that part. So I said, what else do you think about me? And he told me. Remember, whatever he thinks about me is what he thinks about you. So here's what else he said. I think you're more valuable than birds. Remember what Jesus said? Consider. I dare you to start looking at the word consider. The Bible says consider him. You know, the word consider is not just a little flash across your mind. It's the strongest word in the Bible for concentration. Con concentrate. Force your focus totally on him. Consider the sparrows. They don't do the nine to five. Your Father in heaven tends to them. Are you not more valuable than a bird? Well, see, he thinks about us. Jeremiah 29 11 says he thinks about our success, not our failure. He's going to bring us to a good end, not a dismal demise. You believe it? Well, God, I'm going through some things. Yep, the key is through. Yea, though I walk what? The valley of the shadow. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming through. Here's what the Bible said. I've been young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging provision. God's going to get you through if you trust him. Yep, trust in the Lord Jehovah. It's, what is it? Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3. Boy, I tell you what, that verse was chiseled into my heart right after 9-11. Matter of fact, it was 9-12. I couldn't fly up. I was in a Montana planes it all shut down. I'm in a hotel room in Montana. Helena, Montana. And the Lord spoke to me. Boy, it was chaos. You remember that? The Lord spoke to me and said, the U.S. government's going to call you. They're going to ask you about the events that have happened. And here's what I want you to tell them. I thought, dear God, they don't know where I'm at. Well, God knows where you're at. And I said, God, I don't have anything to say to them. And he said, that's why I'm talking to you. This is true. Absolutely, totally the truth. He said, when they call you and ask, what has God said about this? Tell them one thing and one thing only. Here's what he... And I, I'm still hanging to it right now. Here's what he said to do. When they call you, give them Isaiah 26.3 and tell them that's their point of focus. Isaiah 26.3 says this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting, never-failing strength. In just a little while, the bellhop down at the front desk called and said, Sir, there's a man on the phone, claims to be from the U.S. government, and he wants to talk to you. I said, put him through. And I'll tell you what, you and I need that verse in our heart today. And in the days to come, we'll need it more than today. We've got to lift our eyes to Him, to the Lord. I'm telling you, it's going to get real dark real quick. It's Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Dark, deep, dense darkness will come upon the earth, but the Lord's glory and His radiance will be seen upon you. Yep. I believe that. Business as usual is over. 
You better listen to me. Business as usual is over. We in a big, big mess. If you think Barack Obama's going to bail us out, you're stupid. I'm telling you guys, God never intended to straighten this nation out from the White House but the church house. Our only hope, listen to me, I'm prophesying to our nation right now. Our only hope is to call a solemn assembly and have the people of God fall on their face before God. That's the only bailout we've got, guys. The other is a facade. The other is a mockery against God. Our only hope is Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat says, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And it said they called a solemn assembly. They called the, the warriors. They called the women. They called the babes, those that suck the breast, because this is about to affect everybody. And boy, we get serious like that. Second Chronicles 7, 14, still in the Bible. If my people which are called by my name. I'll tell you the best advice we could give our president right now is lean not upon your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge Him being God. And He will direct your path. But uh, we're taking giant steps backwards right now. Many, many countries have taken the same steps that we're just in the process of taking. Looking for some source to bail us out. Whatever... Do you, have you ever just kind of shook yourself and thought, what in the world is going on here? How in the world can we release who, the debt we owe to China? Somewhere I read, the borrower becomes a slave to the lender. You better listen. They can't buy us out of our debt. China. They don't even believe in God. But we're so desperate, we'll just take it almost from anywhere. But the Bible say the Bible. The Bible said you sir the lend the lender, the one that's borrowing, is slave to the lender. See, we don't we we just kind of going along with the flow now, you know. But uh, somebody better dig their heels in the ground and go, "Whoa, we need help. We need help." <laughs> hey, just to be quite honest with you, it's a way beyond anything we could do. We got to have our nation will not be delivered from this without divine intervention. Listen to me, our nation will not. Be delivered from this without divine intervention. And we won't get His help until we cry out for it in desperation. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears them. You go, oh, well, Bobby, we made it through 32, 37. That would appear to be a cakewalk to what we're facing. I hope you listen to me now. You go, oh, well, you know, that's not what so-and-so said. Well, I can't help it. This is not a time to take it lightly. It's a time to seek the Lord. Because what it's, we're, in, we're, in, we're in the worst situation we've ever been in our whole life. It's true. Any moment now. You want the truth? Or you want me to prophesy you a hummer and a chicken in every pot and, you know, I'll tell you the truth. You won't hear it. You'll never hear this on Fox or you'll never hear it on CNN or Wall Street. Any moment now, any moment now, you can go to your bank and they can say, I'm sorry, we no longer honor that currency here. Any moment. That's how dark the situation is. But what we got to do is force our face to Jehovah and realize He is our resource. He has never seen the righteous forsaken. The Lord is my light and my salvation.
Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of who am I going to be terrorized? When the enemy... I've, but I've got hope for you. Every time Babylon shakes and, and Egypt quakes, God's people come out with a high hand. Of course, it's after uh, quite a fray, isn't it? They had 460 years of bondage. And then when God got ready to bring them out, He brought them out with a high hand. Remember that? They went and spoiled the Egyptians. Yeah, boy. You go, well, that was them. Paul penned what happened to them happened for us. Our learning, our education, in whom the ends of the world have come. Well, I know it. People go, well, Bobby, that gets me upset. Well, I know it. It's Romans 13.11. Romans 13.11 says, why, it's high time to wake out of sleep. For our deliverance and salvation is nearer than when the clock first started ticking. That's what it says. Romans 13.11. Hosea 10.12 said, it's time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon us. You say, do you think He can turn it around in a flash? If we cry out to Him with genuine, heartbroken repentance. I'm hanging on to Psalms 107, 23. That if we get to our wit's end, then we cry to the Lord. He'll hear us. He'll bring us out of all of our calamities. That's what it says. You believe that? You go, oh man, I don't want a bad message. Well, it's going to be good. I read the back of the book. We win. We win. What do you do? Oh, what kind of construction? Uh, remodeling. Oh, man, my wife, she's been remodeling everything. Dear Lord. I've driven one nail, I think, in the house, and they're not sure it was in the right place, you know. But uh, now she, she's been insulating. My goodness. Yeah. So what do you do? Oh, man, oh, computer. Retailer? Okay. I like apples. You got any apples? Apple computers? Yeah, man, I like them. Don't know much about them, but I like them. What do you do? Security card. Security card? Oh, man, you're not packing, are you? <laughs> Sometimes I pick out the air marshals and scare them on the planes. But uh, I want to pray for you, okay? Now, here's what I want to pray. That God will get our focus on Him. And if we'll keep our focus on Him, it won't hardly matter what else happens. It's true. I can show you in Acts 27 when all hope that they would be spared was gone. All hope. And a preacher stands up in the middle of a mess like that and says, cheer up. It's going to be all right. There stood by me this night the angel of the Lord's whose I am. And who, isn't that a cool? I read in, isn't it, Second Kings 7 where the prophet said in the biggest famine the world had ever seen says about this time tomorrow they'll be giving food away here for free that's what it was remember and it happened it sure happened you're wonderful it's true that's true you believe promotion comes from the Lord there's a verse in the Bible that says promotion comes from the Lord that's true <laughs> well I can feel a bunch of stuff but it's good I'm going to pray right now that I'm going to pray that uh, God will give vindication. Somebody's been messing with your paperwork and cheating you. So God's going to give vindication. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against this crooked spirit that's trying to rob people by delaying paperwork and misguiding paperwork. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I want to thank you for vindication now that you're going to get the paperwork cleared out and you're going to pay what's due. So that's what, it, that's what God's going to see that you're paid what's due. So, Lord, we bless you for that in Jesus' name. So straighten out the paperwork. Lord, I'm asking right now that you would touch every heart in this room, every person in this room. I pray that this would be a time that we focus on you. We're drawn near to you. We find your presence in chaotic times, that we trust you to be El Shaddai, the God that's more than we'll have need of. Lord, we want to thank you that you that have begun a good work in us will continue it. You're not going to drop us midstream. You're not going to cause us to to just be put to shame. I want to thank you, God, that it's in your heart to bless your people. 
So, Lord, we trust you now. Our confidence is in you, not in Wall Street, any other street. I'm telling you, our confidence is in you, living Lord. And so, Father, I want to thank you. You're steadfast. You're faithful. It's not misguided faith at all. You said you've never seen the righteous forsaken. And so I thank you for that, Jesus. In, in, in your mighty name, we ask that you would calm every fear and help us to really just get right with you. Whatever that takes, that we get right with you. And Lord, you said when we're right with you, you'll begin to fight our battles for us. And so that's what we're asking for in Jesus' name. Bob, you got anything you want to share? Whatever. I think I've already shared this with them, that Isaiah 26, entire answer to whatever things happening right now is in Isaiah 26. The instruction is in Isaiah 26:20. Uh, Enter your prayer closet until the anger of the Lord's past. What's he angry about? He's angry about uh, the 21st verse, innocent blood on the land. Uh, another thing he's angry about in there is other masters is ruled over us. He's going to break that off. And this judgment said, when the judgment is the Lord in the, men, in the land, men will learn righteousness, though the wicked prosper, yet will he not turn from his wickedness. So everything that's going on, I think, is literally can be answered in Isaiah 26. Stay in perfect peace. Keep your focus on Him. Because uh, one thing that I continually hear is we're going through. We're going to walk through this thing. In my shepherd rod, it's like whatever you do, don't sit down this year. Because you're going to walk through human waste and I think that human waste is a lot of the stuff that's been wasted in this nation and the main thing is don't sit down in it don't let it overcome you walk through it uh, in Arkansas where I came from there was quicksand in the rivers and horses uh, drink walking and you put your, fa your foot into quicksand, it begins to sink. So lift your other one up and put it right in the head of you and pull the one of it sinking. You keep walking, you'll get to the other side of that. You will not go down in that quicksand. So this is a year of quicksand. This is a year of the church, if it sets down, it'll go down. But if it keeps walking, it'll go through. I believe that. I believe that it's going to be our finest hour. The church. The whole earth. The, I'm talking about leadership in every spectrum of society are looking for answers. Like I've never seen it like this. I tell you, there's a great hunger and desperation. This is the time to rise and shine. I promise you, if we'll seek the Lord, God will put upon us that wisdom that He put upon Daniel to answer these questions, that wisdom he put upon Solomon. Remember, the Queen of Sheba tested him about his walk and work with the Lord. And it blew her mind. Guys, I want that, don't you? I want that anointing that rested upon Daniel. I was just with a group of prophetic people this, this week, and my message to them was Daniel 2. The stakes have been higher than ever before. Nebuchadnezzar, the world leaders, have called the prophets and said, you better tell me what God has said to me because I'm troubled in my heart. If you can't do it, here's what he said I'm going to do. I'm going to cut you to pieces into little bitty chunks and I'm going to stroll your body parts out across the roads. Then I'm going to take your family, do the same thing to them and burn your house down to where it's nothing but a dung hill. I don't think the stakes have ever been higher. He called the soothsayers, the witches, the warlocks, the 900 psychic numbers. That's it. All of this is Daniel 2. Daniel 2, 2. And they said, King, you must be out of your mind. No man can answer this question. Can I tell you they got that right? No human will answer the situation we're in. So finally, Daniel to keep himself and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from being killed with the rest of them. 
said, let's seek the Lord. And they sought the Lord. And in that night, the Lord gave Daniel a vision about the dream the king had had and the interpretation of it. Now, from that point on, Daniel continues to tell the king, don't you think I got this on my own initiative? There's a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Carve in your heart, Daniel 2.22, Daniel 2.28. Every time the king tried to laud Daniel, Daniel goes, whoop, I got it from God. And then, I'm telling you, stakes have never been higher. But God is the same. Same God that visited with Daniel can visit with us. I tell you what, when I'm about to get through, was it yesterday or day before yesterday? I, I tell you what the Lord told me. Now, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. The Lord said, I want you to go on television and start predicting the future. I said, now, God, let me change the title. He said, if you cha-, I said, let me give prophetic insights. He said, if you do that, you'll minimize your audience. If you'll use the word predict the future, it'll enlarge your audience. So I told Rick Joyner, I said, God's called me to predict the future. And I'm going to do it on television. I want it to work and break in and go like Fox News. This is breaking. Absolutely true. So now watch this. Watch it. This is documented history right now. Friday. That's Friday. Now Friday, we're going to cut our first predicting the future television programs. Last Friday. So I go in there. I go in there at a little bit after two in the afternoon. So I'm there, and we cut a couple of programs, and I get maybe to the third program. And the cameras are on. And in the middle of the third program, which would make it somewhere around 3, 310, 320, I don't know exactly, somewhere along that, I said, here's what's going to happen. Soon now, Benjamin Netanyahu will be put back in power in Israel and things will begin to really change in a very dramatic way. So we go ahead and prophesy about some other things that's going to take place. So we closed out the programs. I go back to the room. I think it's maybe six something. I push my computer on, and a big flash came across it and says, It's final. Perez has said to Benjamin Netanyahu, Assume the power in Israel. See, while you're yet speaking, it'll come to pass. Now, I'm trying to tell you something here. The shepherds ride back there on the desk. Some of the things, see, we wrote it on the Day of Atonement. Some of the things there has already happened. The war with Israel because of the tunnels, it's in there. Russia cutting off the pipeline to the Ukraine, it's in there. So I'm telling you, when you start seeing them happen, it means it's really, really at hand. So you need to read it to find out what else is at hand. Read Bob's. Now here, Bob and I never, we never collaborate. We never uh, try to blend the two together. We don't talk about the shepherd's rod at all till they're both in print. If you study them, it'll shock you. Some of the very same phrases about plowing the ground, burning off the ground. Is this true? We don't collaborate at all. And it's, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Well, I had fun. You go, well, man, you've scared the hair off of us. No, right in the midst of all this, God's going to show himself strong in his people. That's true. Did you read that Psalms 23? Right in the middle of the battle, he throws a party. Psalms 23, 8, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Yeah. Well, you know, no, believe God. Don't you want to be so happy the world will wonder what we're on? Yeah. I'm telling you. It, God has to come through or nothing is going to work. But he's faithful. That's what he's trying to teach us. I'll share with you my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Here it is. You ready? Nahum, N-A-H-U-M. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what it says. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those that are trusting in him. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord's good. You go, oh, I know that. Well, listen now. What was the first thing the devil ever said to humanity? He did two things. He cast a shadow over the intent of God, 
and the validity of the Word of God. Hath God said, reason He won't let you... Remember that? Try to shadow the fact that God is good. God's good. So security guard, He'll get us, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to pray for you, okay? Lord, take us from where we are to where you want us to be. Do with us what pleases you. We're, we're, the, we're the clay. You're the potter. We have no right at all to say, what are you doing? Lord, we want to stay yielded. We want to stay soft and pliable, not brittle and settled. We want to be soft and pliable in your hands. We know that when you're through forming us, the very image of Jesus will be seen. Lord, we want him to get the glory due his name. But Lord, I pray that you would show us that our job is to stay yielded, to stay moist and pliable, just ready to be formed in whatever way you see best. Have your way, King Jesus. Save every lost person in this room. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling for a real identity. Speak to them concerning who they are in you. Have your way, Jesus. We trust you. We find absolutely no fault with you. In Jesus' name. Pilate got it right when he said, I find what? No fault in him. Well, that was good. I like, uh, I like this place. I'll come back. That's true. Yeah. You go, you think we'll still be here? <laughs> yep. Now, if you're sitting on the bench waiting on the rapture bus, forget it. I'm telling you guys. I hear this from so many. Oh, it's going to get so bad. But right before the devil stomps us out, God will come get some glad morning when this life is over. Hey, hey, that ain't going to be how it happens. I'll tell you when he's coming back for you. When you take dominion and control of what he left you here to run. That's when he's coming back. When you take dominion of this earth. It says it this way, It doth not yet appear what we shall be like, but we know this, that when He, Jesus Christ, shall appear, we shall see Him as He is, and we shall be precisely, exactly like Him. That's here, not there. We won't need to look like Him there. We need to be like Him here. Say dominion. Yeah. Yep, it's ours. He said the heavens of heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's done what given into the hands of men that's right a hundred psalms 115 verse 16 it's true somebody's supposed to be running this thing and it's us it's true you believe it here we go pastor take this thing do whatever you feel like we ought to do wow that was that was a download wasn't it hey what i'd like to do is uh I would like for us to pray for Bobby and his wife and really bless them and just, you know, encourage them in the Lord. So, y'all come out here. We want to bless you. Thank you for coming. Wow. That was awesome.